This is Group 3 from WRD 111. I'm Ahmed El-Husseini and I'm joined with Austin Stallings, uh, Kevin Garcia, Lexis Heron. And our group topic for this semester was cap and trade. Um, this was a topic that a lot of us didn't know much about going into it, but as we did our own research and as we went into the different nuances of the topic, we all learned quite a lot. Um, why don't we all just go around and sort of talk about exactly uh, what we knew about the topic beforehand and, you know, uh, our expectations going into it. I'm pretty sure I, like most everybody here, didn't know anything about this. Uh, I'm not one to research something like a carbon emission uh, thing like cap and trade. I uh, would probably focus more on uh, wildlife rather than anything, if I'm being honest, but I had no idea how this worked at all. Yeah, I mean, I knew uh, climate change was a thing, but, um, and I've heard lots of it, about it, but I didn't know anything about the cap-and-trade program before the project. I knew a basic definition of what cap-and-trade was, but, I mean, know, knowing specific details and the information that we've learned over the course of the semester, I didn't know um, how much it affected the climate change and global warming. Yeah, definitely. I feel like this topic is definitely one that a lot of people are not very familiar with and us coming from that approach was probably beneficial because I'm sure a lot of people who were listening to our project um, our presentations early on were also unfamiliar with the topic uh, so the first thing we did was research under different stakeholders which I felt like was very beneficial um, my stakeholder was the European Union and just reading about how it all started, because they're the first organization to really uh, set cap and trade in place, that gave me a lot of knowledge about how exactly it came about and what progress they're making. And um, why don't we all just speak a little bit, uh, just to recap about what we've learned about our specific uh, stakeholders from that project. I've learned that California's government was the first one to set up something like cap and trade, uh, pretty much anywhere else other than the EU. And uh, they're kind of a pioneership of everything that goes on. You know, you don't set them off right, you don't set them straight, and then it fails, no one else is going to want to do it. They're a big portion of uh, how this is going to be set up and moved on without uh, forcing it on to other people. Uh, my stakeholder was just the IPCC, and they were more of just reporters about the situation more than... Um like having anything to do with it. They just looked at like how it affected climate change for that year and then reported on it and then let environmentalists um, work work with them to help develop more reports and stuff. I think the one thing that held true for all of us is that none of this was just straight down. Like they just told you what was going on. There was always charts and graphs and they would always make sure that there was something added on to it. There was more than what met the eye and then you had to read more into it and then it just got out of control at some points and it makes it harder to learn when you have to read the charts and graphs understand that when you're talking about a certain amount of something that it's under pressure of this or it has to push against something else like uh, carbon emissions the way it's measured you have to understand how they measure the carbon emissions or else you know me walking up and saying like oh it is uh, parts per million weighed you know by uh, grams of carbon emission like, it was just so much in-depth when it comes to that. Yeah, and it was pretty redundant, too, throughout the project. I mean, once you've seen one chart, you've kind of seen them all, except it's just different numbers in each one. And none of them were going to admit that, oh, yeah, we're wrong. No one does that, and especially when they want something beneficial, that they believe that could change something. 
to do anything. Yeah, so like Austin said, we do have a very complex topic. So before we get really into it, I just want to go over and recap, just make sure um, that everyone is familiar with exactly what we're talking about. So cap and trade is a system where organizations come in, usually governmental bodies, and they basically set a system where carbon permits are traded. So companies are assessed based on how much they pollute, and the companies that are polluting more so are entitled to more permits just based on however much they're polluting. And so they're given an economic incentive to reduce their carbon waste by um, having incentives at the end of the year. So if a company is more efficient, then they save energy and by the end of the year they have excess permits which they're not using by uh, polluting less. And so they have permits which they can sell to other companies and then they uh, get money from those auctions at the end of the year. And the companies that are not becoming more efficient, they have the opposite incentive where they're actually losing money just buying all these permits that they need to produce uh, carbon emissions. And so when, you're, when we're dealing with companies and we're trying to minimize their externalities on the environment, it's really important for us to see, to see the issue from their angle. And a lot of companies are really mainly concerned about the numbers, the number part of it. So just how much profit can they make and how much money can they uh, not waste? So when you introduce an economic incentive by giving them the opportunity to save money and to potentially make money by selling off their permits if they become more efficient, that creates a really strong incentivizer for companies to really focus on transitioning to clean energy and to reduce their carbon emissions. But, uh I do understand what he said with, uh, you know, focus on the cor uh, corporations and what they think is a problem. But uh, with that, I think it really comes down to newer corporations. I mean, bigger, older corporations aren't going to worry about, you know, a small increase in the money that they have to spend, especially if they can just find an efficient way. But if you just start out, if a new company just was brought up, there's no way that they can keep up with something like that. They have to make their money. And if they're also being taxed to, uh, well, not necessarily taxed, but they have to pay to produce carbon, which means that they have to pay to produce their product, then they couldn't necessarily lose money and go out of business. So, you know, things like that can deter uh, certain people from uh, starting other corporations that could eventually go green or, you know, in corporations that... Uh, have been green and it's just hard for them to keep up in general. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, two of the major issues that I found when just doing research over this topic, one was the idea of auctions just being too cheap. So when companies are buying permits to pollute more after they exceed their cap, a lot of times it's companies that are not super concerned about the fee that they have to uh, pay for it. And so it's not really something that's super prohibitive for companies to uh, lower their emissions. That was one really big problem that I found. Another problem that I found was just the idea of the cap not being strict enough. So the idea is the cap for every year is set to a certain number and then the year after it's supposed to decrease and decrease and then that's what really reduces the carbon over time. And uh, in a lot of systems, the carbon uh, cap has just not been strict enough to where it's driving real significant change and it's uh, reducing carbon at the rate that we wanna see it reduced at. And uh, yeah, so those were two of the major problems that I found. Obviously, it's a, it's a beneficial system, but it does have a lot of flaws. Did you all pick up any other flaws during your research? I picked up a, a big one. Um, so you talked a little bit about the auctioning, so the allowances that each company had. 
and traded with each other. So one major issue with the program was that um, it what companies would do is the companies that were um, were able to find a more efficient and cleaner way to produce energy, uh, they would have leftover allowances that they they could sell to other companies. So what they would do is they would sell those allowances to a smaller company or a more inefficient company, and they're so they would buy the allowances. And what would happen is instead of actually reducing the emissions, um, you would just have it move around different through different companies. So one company will lower will reduce their carbon emissions, but a different one will produce more than it did in the first place. So it really doesn't reduce carbon emissions as much as you would think they would. Instead, they're just moving it around from company to company. I mean, yeah, in the last PowerPoint that I did, I mean, I talked about a lot of uh, reasons why cap and trade needed to be um, <coughs> redone and revised because um, one of them was uh, that actually companies are more likely leaving the U.S. from it because they are having to spend more money and they don't want to have to do that and then they go somewhere else where they might not have to worry about it because it's not in effect everywhere. So um, a lot of people are, or a lot of companies would be leaving the U.S. For an idea for like, I'm guessing cheaper labor? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that. There's, it's way easier to go somewhere else where cap and trade's not in effect and get cheaper labor on top of that. And then, you know, as long as you, you can operate your company from anywhere, I mean, there's no need to like actually go there, but as long as you're making money, that's what most corporations really just care about. Right, and then plus two, the, uh, from 2005 to 2007, it actually said that in Europe it didn't reduce the carbon emission. It actually increased by 1.9%. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people that, or especially governments, there's a lot of governments that want to use this as a sole solution, as in it's the cure-all. Like California wants to lower it by 2050, they want to drop their emissions to 90% of their overall emissions in 1990s, which from that that to when they actually implemented, which was 2013, 2015, uh, that was like I think it's like 300 times smaller than what they have it now, and it's just tiny compared to what they need, what they uh, have now. Right. I mean, from all the research that we've done this uh, over the course of the semester, you can see that it isn't like a like you said a uh, solves all the problem type of thing. It's more of a like to put it on a halt. Uh, so all cap and trade is really like put in place for is to reduce the speed of climate change and global warming. But as you can see, it's like very flawed and it needs revised. That's a great point. I think one of the major problems really with cap and trade is just the, the approach that we have with it. So obviously we've all done research and we've seen some of the benefits. It has been beneficial in reducing uh, carbon emissions in some places, but if we see it as a blanket sort of solution to uh, climate change, it's not going to get us very far. It's effective in a very um, like slightly significant way, but over time we do need something that's going to be more effective and that's going to hold the companies to uh, higher responsibility to lower their carbon, carbon emissions. So I feel like if we just use and see carbon uh, or sorry, cap and trade as a tool for slowly reducing carbon emissions over time, that could be really beneficial. But if we look at it as sort of a blanket solution that's just gonna fix the issue of climate change, it's only a distraction really, and it's not gonna get us very far in that process. I think a great way to look at this thing, cap and trade in general, is just as a foundation. 
Yeah, they're just laying the foundation, but we are supposed to build on top of it. There's nothing that, you know, we can't build on top of on this point because it's a blank slate, you know? We cap the... Uh, we cap the overall amounts of emissions caused by corporations. And the idea isn't that you should be, oh, yeah, that's good enough. It should be, all right, now then what can we do on top of that that's not invasive? Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you're dealing with such a big issue like climate change, something that affects everyone. Um, it's really important to be careful of exactly how you're proposing solutions and how you're going about it. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about the significance of climate change and how it affects everyone, just so we understand the real consequences of the pros and cons of the cap-and-trade system. So one one issue, or another issue that I found out with it was, uh, well, not me, but, you know, the people that I researched, the environmentalists, they found out that, so whenever you uh, sell your allowances to a smaller company, or not just smaller, but much more inefficient, uh, company um not only do they um they don't might they might not have the right resources as or the same resources as other larger and more advanced companies so they not might have the ability to have to make more efficient uh or a clean or use a cleaner way to produce energy so if they keep getting fined or taxed for their excessive amounts of carbon emissions, uh, the cost for them to create energy will go up and uh, will also, uh, that's also going to affect all consumers around the world. It's just going to increase their price of energy in general and as you can see, you know, it affects everyone, not just producers, but the consumers as well. That's a great point actually. That's something that I haven't heard about before in the topic. Um, just the idea of larger companies being able to bring in, you know, scientists and engineers to actually uh, speed up the process of becoming more efficient, which is something that these smaller companies are not uh, given the resources for. Uh, that sort of creates a problem of inequality between smaller and larger companies, and uh, you know that that has its own issues. Right, and um, basically, the bigger companies too, where they're able to buy buy more and more and more, and then other start trading and X, Y, and Z. Um, yeah, I understand where you're going with this. You know, they buy more and more and more, and then they just run out. I mean, like, they can't keep buying things. The uh, It doesn't that, make it, like, any less of, like, um, it doesn't reduce the emissions of carbon, per se, because, I mean, one company looks really good, but then another company is going over their ca original cap set. Yeah, so they can really offset each other if not properly contained, and that's the biggest. That's another big problem. It's hard for some places to contain what they need to uh, contain because California has ha always had this big problem with like, oh yeah, uh, I'm going a little bit over my uh, cap, but I don't want to pay for it, and it's not going to be enough to where you know I just got to buy you know like a piece of someone's carbon emission, and California basically goes, oh yeah, that's fine, you can go over. And that shouldn't happen. That is a big thing that is a big no when it comes to this, is you're not allowed to be like, oh, yeah, you get a pass just because you can, you know, you don't you need it. it. Yeah, <laughs> just because you can afford it doesn't mean that you need it. Obviously, if you need even the slightest bit over your cap that you've put on yourself, you should have to pay for it. It should not be in asking a favor and getting that. 
Yeah, so corporations definitely do have a hand in sort of the regulation of cap and trade. This whole system was actually proposed by a, a group of businessmen who were initially like just focused on making money. That was sort of their goal um, with building this system. And that's inherently just a big flaw from the start. Because uh, obviously with an issue like this, we're really focused on what's best for the environment and what's best for the world because this is something that affects everyone everywhere and not only humans but also the animals and you know habitats all around the world and whatever uh, carbon is being put off in Europe or California it's affecting other continents and everywhere else in the planet so when corporations have a hand in, in an environmental solution like that it can be really problematic. Uh, yeah, with them being, you know, the corporations that they are, this is set around money. This is, that's the problem, is that every bit of this, it is made to do the, the best job it can. Because uh, when you get into cap and trade, the first thing you hear is auction, money, buy from another corporation. This just sounds like shares. That's what I'm going to be honest. It, it just sounds like you're taking the shares of another company away so you can... Uh, you know, help yourself. Right. I mean, it like started out with like the idea of uh, getting more money. So it started out really greedy. So that's why it is flawed in the long run, because now we're looking at it from a aspect of trying to save the environment and reduce the speed of climate change so that we can have a better future. But because it was started from greed and not looking so much of, oh, let's save the environment, because they didn't really look at that when it first was like um, being created and stuff. And, um, that's why it needs to be redone and revised because it really looks good on paper but then when it's in action it is flawed in some aspects that can cause detrimental damage. Yeah so just to recap I think the biggest recurring thing uh, that we've all found is that cap and trade is a good system on paper it does have its benefits but it does also have its fair share of flaws so what most people uh, are in agreement with is we shouldn't just completely get rid of it but we should use it and revise it and just make it better so we have obvious problems with the cap not being strict enough and companies don't really feel a need to uh, lower emissions based off that uh, looseness on the cap and also just the price of the auctions where companies are able to buy permits for a reasonable price and that's not something that's being really prohibitive for them uh, so if we just look at it as a tool more so than just a blanket solution for climate change and for the issue of greenhouse gases, then that could be really beneficial. Um, especially when we're talking about greenhouse gases, which is cited as the number one source of climate change uh, by NASA and uh, most major scientists, science organizations around the world. Uh, this is something that we really need to focus on and make sure that we're doing the best at it that we can be.